This is an editorial note. The episode you're about to hear is from a candidate who has withdrawn from the Calgary municipal elections. Again, the episode you are about to hear is from a candidate who has withdrawn from the Calgary municipal elections. Thank you and enjoy. This is the Cross Border Interview Podcast with Carolyn Cron. Welcome back to the Cross Border Interview Podcast. Today's guest is Calgary City Council candidate for Ward 11, Carolyn Cron. Carolyn, thank you so much for doing this. Greatly appreciate it. No worries. Glad to be here. Um, as always, first question out of the gate, where does your sense of duty to serve come from? Well, <laughs> that's, a, that's such a good question. Um, so I spent, you know, the better part, well, more than a decade now working in the areas of nonprofit and education. So I've kind of had a long history of serving Calgarians in various contexts. Um, in my current position, I'm the executive director of an agency that supports people with human rights claims and uh, employment-based legislation claims, complaints, and appeals. And then prior to that was working with um, government contracts for students with disabilities. So it's kind of it's always um, sort of been in my capacity to serve in various contexts. And I, and I think I, based on my, my schooling and the opportunity to go to school and the privilege that provided, I, I feel a strong ethical imperative to give back on what I was so fortunate with. So I think a lot of it is just sort of my own sense of, of personal ethic. And if I can bring something to a situation and leave it better than when it started, then, then I've done a good job. So that's kind of been my, kind of measuring stick throughout my career and now into my city council run. Now you can give back in many multiple avenues, whether it be nonprofit organizations, whether it be volunteering, but you've chosen politics, you've chosen politics, (laughs) you've chosen 2021 to run for municipal politics. Why, why give back in the political realm? You know, I just, I felt a strong sense when I looked at our current political environment sort of in the wake of post-Trump and, and some of those kind of complicated ideologies that were sort of making their way into the provincial framework. I, I basically just thought we can't continue to live this way. And, and what I mean by that is there's been just such an increased division in politics in terms of um, you're with us, you're against us. You, you're either a liberal snowflake or you're a right-wing conservative. And I, and I, and I, I got tired of this sort of, dichotomy of politicism and and sort of reframed it as you know we need we need consensus to move motions forward that has to happen and if we keep getting stuck in this dig our heels in and not compromise and not collaborate we're not serving our citizens and we're not serving our communities so my whole sort of sense of personal direction with this is really about getting people into council that can that can meaningfully exchange ideas in a social democracy and and actually work to the betterment of Calgarians as opposed to sort of these divisive angles of of politics, municipal, provincial or otherwise. So that's sort of the underpinnings. I think there's a lot of candidates that share that sentiment this election round. I think it's a big reason why a lot of people are putting their names forward is we want to see a Calgary that cares about each other and works effectively together to get things done. Um, you have just perfectly set up my next question. And I was literally going to ask this question, but you've you set it up in a way that I, I, I'm so happy with. Because on your website, Carolyn Cron for Ward 11, which can be found in the show notes to anyone listening and to my viewers, 
you it, literally in big, bold letters, you say, let's be neighbors again, Calgary. Why is that, yeah. that such an important thing to do in this election? Well, yeah, and it's exactly kind of for the reasons we were talking about. So I think about, so I, I've been born and raised in Calgary. Like my family has lived in Ward 11 for 60 years. So um, I have kind of watched, you know, the city evolve from my time being in this area. And basically I think about the floods and I think about the floods in 2013. And I think about the amazing spirit of Calgary. I think about having more volunteers than we needed. I think about nap for Nenshi. I think about, you know, people going into people's houses in high river and, and an elbow uh, river area to, to help out. And I feel that Calgary needs to get back to that type of spirit. It needs to be that we want to work together to support and help everyone. And that is a sentiment that Calgary has always had. I mean, my mom talks to me about the 1988 Olympics where it successfully ran on volunteers. And I believe in the capacity of Calgary to do that. The problem is just, we've lost our way. We've lost our way through the pandemic and being socially distanced, we've also mentally and emotionally distanced ourselves from others. And we really need to get back to the spirit of, of, of kind of a belonging to a social fabric and, and, a, and a social place that cares about citizens. You know, I don't think that fiscal responsibility has to come at, at the sacrifice of important social programs and services. I, I just don't see it that way. So I really want to harness that, that sort of volunteer spirit of Calgary and, and that engagement with the neighbors in your area and really bring that back to our engagement at city hall. Um, we're, we will be talking about that a little bit later in the episode, but I want to talk about um, what you're hearing at the doors. Any candidate should be door knocking right now. We are open and you should be talking to residents. You should have been talking to residents prior to the uh, pandemic or the restrictions being left. What are you hearing from the people of Ward 11? So I'm going to be honest, I'm coming at that from actually a bit of a different angle. I think it's only very recently that Calgarians have been even remotely tuned into this election. I think with the COVID protocols, with the large degree of uncertainty, with things being closed, I deliberately withheld door knocking for quite some time out of respect for the social distancing rules and engagements. Um, so I'm really starting my door knocking campaign sort of now. Um, basically, the consensus from a lot of people or the questions that they always ask are lower taxes. I hear it all the time. Right. So people are like, I'm going to run for council and I'm going to lower taxes. And so that sort of um, rhetoric sort of goes down into the citizens of Calgary. And I agree. Taxation is important. However, I think what we actually need to showcase as a city council is what you get for your taxes and how they're being spent. So I am really seeking um, a platform that isn't so much about um, lowering taxes, because first of all, as one candidate in and of yourself, you can't lower taxes, right? People have these lovely ideas that they're going to get in and they're going to do all these individualistic things for their community. It's not, it's not possible, right? Like there were people in the, in the, in the last election cycle that ran on lower taxes. Did it happen? Not really like phase business tax. Sure. Residential tax, 
No. So I think we need to think really strategically. And what I really am trying to communicate to my residents of Ward 11 is these are the social services that you are going to get for your taxes. What is important about them to you? And what services do you want to see enhanced or potentially not as important? And really, it's about more of a conversation around services and taxation than it is about me dictating the terms of what I think they should want. I think that's a very dangerous um, route to go. And I think we've seen some some headaches from that in relation to sort of some of our, our most recent things like the guidebook for great communities and some other stuff. So for me, it's about conversations. One of the key things that I, I'm glad you just mentioned was conversations. The next city council has a big task ahead of them. They will be directing this city out of the global pandemic. Fiscal responsibility is one of the key priorities on your website. It's the very first one in the order of what we're going to be talking about today. Fiscal responsibility is going to be a must going into the next budget, which you will have to decide if you're the uh, candidate, if the, you are the councillor. In November, how do you ensure, how do you envision being fiscally responsible with how our tax dollars are being spent while not leaving anyone behind? Because some things will have to be cut because we are struggling as a city right now with the downturn. You're downtown Calgary. You know that businesses are closing up. We have vacancies down there. How do you envision helping everyone in a post-pandemic while being fiscally responsible? That's an that's an excellent question. It's very multifaceted, I think, in, in its approach. I think there's a couple of things. I think there needs to be better consensus building with the provincial government. Um, there's been a real sort of separation in terms of, well, we look recently at, at the, the mask bylaws and, and Kenny's stance on the mask bylaws and, and Calgary's sort of speaking out against it. And, and I think that there has been sort of a bit of a severing of engagement between Calgary and provincially in regards to getting things done and working together appropriately. So one is, is really building a better network of consensus with our provincial and federal um, partners and governments. Another one is kind of seeking opportunities for sort of win-win programming. So what I mean by that is, can we combine certain services, um, social programs together um, to sort of make better use of space and cut down on maybe some of the maintenance requirements? So what I mean by that is, you know, can we set up um, other social services in the libraries? Can we create hubs in communities that don't involve um, a huge complement of staff, but rather make use of existing infrastructure and spaces? Can we combine, you know, our arts grant program with a small business grant? So, you know, can we do something like here's some money to incentivize small businesses if you're committed to hiring three employees for retraining and upskilling and labor, we'll give you this percentage of money. Like there's, there's opportunities to sort of, I think, innovate and to combine uh, services and supports. The problem is, is just there hasn't been enough creative thinking to get that done. And I say that somewhat somewhat lightly because if, I don't know if you're aware, but they've, they've started a new initiative um, in Ward 7 where they've opened up a, um, and by they, I mean a volunteer committee has opened up a hub for pay what you can uh, clothing donations and also uh, food is available and it's pay what you can. If you can't pay, that's fine. Like, and that's such a, it's such a meaningful way to implement change in communities where the cost is really not 
astronomical. So I think sometimes we get a little bit too caught up in the sort of the, the administrative bureaucracies of getting things done. And sometimes you just, just, it's as simple as setting up a space and putting infrastructure in for one or two services to do. I mean, in my current position, we farm our caseworkers out to satellite locations so that they're visible in other places. The, the other nonprofit provides the space. We provide the service it's it's we're meeting clients where they're at. It's I think we need to get back to more of that. I think people view City Hall as very um, kind of on its own city on a hill. Right. It's like its own entity. And if you look at the geographical space in there, it's absolutely set up that way. It's not set up to be welcoming or um, easily accessible to all Calgarians. So I think we need to minimize the bureaucracy of some of those things. And we need to just get into communities and start putting one foot in front of the other for some of these some of these sort of satellite operations or retraining employees through micro grants for businesses. I mean, I, I, yeah, I, I believe in the capacity of Calgary to do that and to care about people that way. We just city council needs to get out of its own way and, and kind of just start working on these things. I, 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 I love chatting with candidates who make my job a lot easier with transitions of topics. Um, <laughs> you, you hit the hammer on the nail. You talk to residents across the city. They say the exact same thing that you just said. City Hall is an island on itself. There is a disconnect between what's happening at City Hall and what's happening in the wards. How do you envision yourself bridging that gap, making the bridge to that island so residents can access it more easily, but also more um, uh, cost cost savings. With the, and I, I'm not trying, I'm trying to figure out the word right now and it's completely lost me, but let's start with how can you bridge yeah. the gap? Sure. So I think that part of the issue is, and I certainly see it in my nonprofit experiences, you know, it's a very daunting task for people, especially with limited means or understanding of some of these systems to deal with them. So it's like they have, so to, to play it out, someone has to go to city hall, they've got to pay for parking or they got to take a train. They get in there and immediately confronted with a pretty intimidating security staff. And if you've had issues with authority in the past, that's going to be an issue. You don't have a set time to speak. You have to wait in council to talk like this is not set up for engagement of Calgarians. It's just not. So when I'm looking at it, you know, I think the counselors need to be very visible in their communities. So there's no reason why a counselor can't attend community festivals and association meetings, right? Number one, pretty simple to do. I think most of them will continue to be Zoom accessible or virtual, which makes attendance at some of these things, quite frankly, a lot easier. Um, set up a, a meet the counselor, our Q&A counselor questions that one of like Ward 11 has three libraries, set that up at, you know, rotating libraries in your community and just have a drop in. People can ask about what's our snow removal plan? What's the plan for this? And just keep it very unassuming and very unintimidating so that people can engage in a very informal way. I think we don't have a lot of access to informal engagement with our counselors. And I think the formal engagement structure is extremely intimidating to certain, to certain Calgarians that maybe don't necessarily feel, you know, able to speak to, to the issues at hand without, without feeling like they're going to be made fun of or, or not be considered. And, and I, I, Calgary is not a great city if it's not great for all Calgarians. It's just not. And I appreciate you saying that because this hasn't come up that much in the interviews that I've conducted, but 
let's be honest. Uh, Calgary, the city of Calgary deals with mostly English as their first language. Calgary as a whole, though, is very diverse. It has a lot of people, a lot of languages spoken, and English is not always the first language. How do you envision overcoming that as the next counselor and moving Calgary forward to be a more accessible for everyone and not just the English speaking residents? Yeah, so I think a lot of it, honestly, the legwork's already done, and it's just a case of creatively harnessing the supports that already exist. So if we look at Immigrant Services Calgary, they have a language bank. You can hire interpreters through them easily in many different languages. They receive some money. The interpreter receives some money. It's it's done at a more a less prohibitive cost um, for the person you know harnessing those services. Calgary Catholic Immigrant Society, same thing. So I think that there's a really interesting opportunity there where city council could partner with some of our immigrant serving agencies and provide, you know, we could provide a drop in Q&A with at Immigrant Services Calgary with the interpretive language that's required to have a very informal session where that could be done. So my biggest um I think my biggest skill set or my biggest talent that I can bring to this position, at least on a, on a city level is let's harness what we have. Let's utilize what we're already doing and let's just shift that. Let's just make it a little bit more creative or let's just tweak that process. So, you know, working in nonprofit, you on, you have to make money from nothing a lot of the times. <laughs> so you really do that. You really rely on your collaboration and your community partners to get that done. And so I actually don't view those, you know, that opportunity is, is inherently prohibitive. Um, we have to just think creatively about where, where are our people and how do we want to reach them in a way that makes sense to them? So rather than council dictating the rules of engagement, we're supposed to be here for residents, not the other way around. Our job only exists because we are in public service. So I think a lot of people forget in this council run and in other politics is that this is a public servant position. This is not a you're going to do what I tell you to position. And we need to reframe that dialogue on a city level. And I'm hoping to do that with this show, because that's why I'm sort of focusing more on the wards instead of the mayoral race, because I think most people forget about the wards and think that the next election is just for mayor. Um I want to ask your opinion on the, the makeup of council, because as the next councillor for Ward 11, you will be there to represent your constituents. But, and I, you know this as much as I do, you are not only there to represent your constituents, you're there to represent all of Calgary. What's best for the city. How do you balance that because sometimes your ward will have to go without because the needs of the city outweigh the needs of your ward. So how do you envision working with your fellow councillors to move the city forward, but also not forget your ward? That's a great question. I, I think that there, we've kind of talked about it before, but it, it really is about that compromise and collaboration piece. And that is a piece that I think is missing. I mean, our, our current ward 11 councillor sort of makes a habit of being the outlier. And, and, and to most decisions. And, you know, in terms of that, it's very difficult to build consensus and compromise and collaboration if that's the only person that you're going to be. I mean, in the last election cycle, one of the platforms for our current counselor was not to have bus rapid transit system on 14th Street. Well, it went in anyway. So when we think about how we want to support our communities, really the way to 
do that is to work effectively together and, and negotiate and compromise and be transparent about that process. I mean, there are, there's a lack, I think people feel a lack of transparency uh, from council in regards to how decisions made. And the stock answer is always, well, they can look online and view the meeting minutes and the videos, but who's going to do that? Right. I mean, I think we need to really refocus our channels of engagement. And rather than just saying, well, it's on the website, you could be able to find it. Right. I, I, I use this example. So if you've ever called the Canada Revenue Agency, right, they try to they try to get you back to their website when you call and you wait on hold for 45 minutes. Well, if I could find what I need on the website, I wouldn't be calling you to find out what's going on. So we kind of we've kind of used internet and different technologies to a detriment because it's actually prevented the ability to engage effectively with the people in your communities. Right. So that kind of goes on a tangent off your question, but to loop it back, really, there needs to be better transparency to, to your residents about, Hey, we didn't get this right now. And this is kind of why, but I still care about it. And this is going to be something that I'm going to continue to, to fight for if it's something that's important to you. You know, I think people are pretty reasonable to assume that they're not going to get absolutely everything they ever want. If that was true, I would have a pony already. You you must have listened to about 12 of my last interviews because you are taking every single question I'm about to ask out of my mouth. I haven't. So. I actually have not. But, but, you, only but, you, <laughs> but you are doing such a great job with transition because <laughs> and I, I love the flow of this because transparency is one of the areas that you talk to residents across the city. That is a big concern. Um, yeah. But also the trust trust in your politicians and transparency are two of the key things that you hear from time to time from residents that the next council has to address. Mm -hmm. How do you build that back? Because you, you mentioned it, you're the person you're looking to replace has been a little bit more confrontational and the trust of this city council has been lost because there seems to be more politics than governing in these worlds. How do you envision approaching the next four years to govern for all people and stop with the petty politics? Yeah, I know. Well, I'll tell you something interesting right now. So I actually host a group um, on Facebook called uh, it's a Calgary municipal election group. And, and basically what it is, is it's a group of progressive women candidates who are running in the election. And so this group was born out of an idea that we share best practice in terms of, hey, this is a really good place to get your signage costs done. Um, hey, this person contacted me for an interview and it kind of went like this. I want to give you a heads up. So we've kind of already, it wasn't you. Okay. <laughs> it, wasn't you. <laughs> it wasn't you. Don't worry. Um, and so my whole thing is as sort of a, as a builder of communities is that those conversations need to start before we get to October 18th. So I've had great conversations with Courtney Walcott. I've had a couple other conversations with some other candidates just about how do we support each other? And, and one area of that is I'm one of a few candidates that have climate change on my platform. And there's quite a number of people that don't address that. So some of my conversations have been around, you know, here are some initiatives that I think are really interesting that we that we could collaborate on or we, we could kind of come out as climate change partners through wards on certain things and, you know, having some conversations with Calgary Climate Hub and, and some other things. So to me, the, the collaboration and networking of council members begins and will begin in February. 
So when you develop those relationships of trust and networks prior to that date, you have a very good sense of who you're with and how to support each other. And I think that is something that probably given that councils, some of councils tenure has been very long, that they've just kind of lost sight of that entity. So that's a, that's a part actually, that's really important to me. And, and I'm, I'm loving people are like, where did you get t-shirts printed? Here's these big signs. Like it's such a nice way to share, um, expertise. I have, I actually have conversations too with Courtney and Lauren Herschel from my ward about, Hey, the, the person at this door is a little bit um, questionable. Like you might want to bring someone with you when you door knock. I mean, it's just supporting each other. And if we support our residents and we support different candidates now, you know, that, that, that city councilor is going to be authentic and trustworthy moving forward. I, I find it so refreshing that in 2021, in the divisive politics era that we are in, that we still have politicians and candidates who are willing to collaborate, who are willing to say, you know what, we might be running against each other, but hey, we're still human beings, we're still Calgarians, we all want the best. So I appreciate that you're saying that, and I appreciate all the candidates who are working together in a collaborative way. So thank you so much, Carolyn, for doing that. Well, and I've said too, I mean, I don't feel like I'm running against the other candidates in my ward, to be honest. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but what I mean by that is the ward 11 residents are going to pick the council member that resonates with their values and the most exposure that you can get in your ward. That's how you're going to win. It's not about slagging other candidates. It's not about even really competing with other candidates. It's which platform and which strategy of engagement is going to resonate with your, with your constituents. So I'm not running this, this election cycle to build a platform off of divisive conflict politics because it's, it's not effective. So ultimately we will leave it up to the ward 11 residents to decide. And I'm more than happy to have those conversations with other candidates. Um, one of the areas that you mentioned, and I'm so happy that you brought it up because it is a touchy subject for some in this great city of Alberta, in the great province of uh, great city of Calgary in the great <laughs> province of Alberta is climate change. Climate yeah. change seems to be a touchy subject, but you are, like you just said, it is a part of your platform. And why is that? Why have you made climate change a priority for you? Because some people will come back and say, that's not a municipal issue. That's a provincial, that's a federal issue. Why do we need to worry about it? I don't know how anyone could say that because it's actually going to involve the collective entity of everybody to get it done. Right. So the reason climate change is, is part of my platform is because as I, as I spoke previously about ethical and social responsibility, we, we have an ethical and social responsibility to prepare um, the future for kids for their kids, for, you know, access to drinking water and, you know, the decline of extreme weather conditions. I mean, we are, we decide what the legacy is that we're leaving the next generation. And I've had some great conversations with some very young and engaged individuals um, from Fridays for Future Calgary that, that are really wanting answers from candidates on, on their climate change strategy. And you know, the reality is we have climate change targets that we should hit. And, and we know that the province is in a bit of a um, conflict with federal government about what that should look like. But the reality is the longer those conflicts continue, 
they, the, it's not going to change the fact that those um, Paris Accord numbers are still going to be there. We're still going to have to hit those climate change targets. We're still going to have to deal with the carbon emission issue, whether we want to or not. So if we deal it with it now, we've got more of a chance to be listened to and in the driver's seat, as opposed to dictated to once it gets to a point that it just has to be done. So I think I really value it from an ethical and social standpoint, but I also value it from a job creation standpoint. There's an opportunity here to, and this is more provincial, but it does trickle down into Calgarians and jobs to, to pivot and transition employment from some oil and gas into some greener tech and tech outright. So we're seeing some of that right now. I mean, the U of C canceled the oil and gas bachelor of engineering program due to low enrollment for the first time. And I think it was 20 years. That's a pretty big sign that we need to start thinking very creatively and very proactively about our climate targets and what we want to do about them. And it isn't an, an issue of, um, you know, all oh, the, you know, the Greenpeace people, it's more like, hey, do you want to pay less money for your utilities? Because if we pivot to more green technology, your utilities are going to be less. Hey, do you want to drive a car that isn't going to cost $1.35 to fill up or a liter to fill up? Because that's something we can do. So I think we just really need to focus that climate change conversation around, hey, this is a win-win. We're going to clean up, um, I don't want to say clean up their environment because I don't like to use those sort of inherently moralistic terms, but we're going to create an environment that's more sustainable. And in turn, it's going to save you some money too. So if we frame it, you know, in a way that isn't punitive and really shows Calgarians the savings and the value to that. I think it's absolutely something that everyone should be including in their, in their campaigns. And I hope that their residents ask them about it. One of the areas on your website you talk about, and you mentioned it there is utilities. Um, your website states that you will bring in the clean energy improvement program, the CEIP tool to Calgary to save money for residents. Why hasn't yeah. the, why hasn't the city done this already? And why is this important for you? So as far as I can understand it, there have been some preliminary discussions. The thing is, is that um, it's a bit of a shifting sphere because it actually the so the Municipal Climate Change Action Center used to actually be was kind of brought in and housed under the NDP in the last election when the NDP were voted out, the Municipal Climate Change Action Center well, it's kind of split from that away from Efficiency Alberta and kind of formed its own hub. So part of the issue is that it's sort of been looking for a home um, within the current provincial framework. However, there are a number of smaller municipalities in the province of Alberta that are adopting it and are looking at it. So it's important to me because in Ward 11, we have a number of aging homes. Um, so not everywhere, but a large portion of it. Where I live in Haysboro, I live in a 56-year-old bungalow. Is it the most energy efficient home? Probably not. So what this program does is it allows people to perform energy efficient upgrades to their home. It ties the cost of that to the property tax assessment over the duration of the warranty. So if I needed a new roof, the $25,000 to replace my roof would be amortized over time over my property tax bill. If I sold my house, that would still be tied to the property tax bill and given to the next homeowner, 
because I think sometimes what happens is we can't guilt people into energy efficient upgrades. That's not an, an effective tactic. But not only that, if you're a lower socioeconomic income and someone just keeps saying, well, you should update this to your home and you can't afford to do so, that's just another way of sort of dictating moralistic terms of engagement for climate change. If we frame it like, hey, I don't want you to pay as much money every month for your utilities because everyone's looking to save money. Let's see if we can do this. It's a minimal amount of money on your property tax over that period of time. And then there's no costs at the end if you have to sell your home. So like Okotoks is doing some really cool things around um, some of these strategies. And I think it fits nicely with, hey, we can also address some of these climate change issues with this. And it's going to it's going to be a benefit. So we need to seek value added benefits in our engagement around climate change. And the SEEP program or the Clean Energy Improvement Program is one way to do it. I'm just cautious of time and I want to make sure that yeah. we have enough time for the next <laughs> no meeting worries. here. Um, I know so, I talk so much, Chris. But, talk hey, much. hey, it would be a really bad interview if you didn't. <laughs> so I, I appreciate you willing to chat. <laughs> but I want to jump into, the, I want you to put on your time hat and I want you to envision October 19th, 2021. You are the counselor designate for the Ward 11. Priority yeah. number one for you is what? I think it would be reviewing a safety plan for the community. So, and the reason I say that is um, the ring road, the West ring road of Stony borders, a large portion of um, ward 11. And there's been some really concerns around increased traffic, but also speeding through that area. And, and unfortunately there was a very serious accident in a crosswalk um, in our, in our ward from a girl who suffered pretty serious brain injuries as a result of how the traffic flow is operating in that area. So I think if we're looking at it, if, if I have four years to accomplish a lot of things, I think safety of our residents needs to be number one. And so I would say that probably my first thing on, on council to do would be to conduct a pretty thorough safety audit of the, of those, um, those kind of roads in and around, especially around that ring road area, because it's a new development um, and talk about how we can maybe enhance some safety in, in our ward and protect our kids and, and protect anyone who's trying to do more walking and biking and cycling, you know, we got to make it a safe place for that to be done. Okay. I was literally going to ask a question, but you literally just answered it. So I feel like your group has been telling my secrets of the trade of the tricks. Of the trade I, I honestly, I did. I, I'm terrible. I have to admit, I haven't even watched one of your podcasts. So maybe we just like, we just got a good vibe. You know? got, hey, I, I'm feeling I'm vibing you right now. Um, But yeah. the question you just mentioned it four years from now, you are the counselor. What are the metrics that you will put in place to say, this was a successful term for me. I've done A, B, and C. And if I leave and I don't want to run for re-election, I'd be happy because the city's better, the ward's better, and I've left this place a better place. That's an exceptional question. I'm just doing my uh, funding outcomes for my funding contracts right now. So I'm like all, uh, all qualitative, quantitative brain. I, I think, you know, from a percentage standpoint, I would want to be do you feel that your, your counselor was trustworthy and advocated for you? If that was a high number, I think that would be, I would feel very proud of that. Um, if we were able to bring in some more energy efficient upgrades to citizens at less cost, I'd, I'd be very proud of that. And, and did Ward 11 feel connected as a community? And I know that's an arbitrary and a weird 
number to sort of get, but I think it's visibility, right? It's getting out into your communities. It's connecting with your communities. And a big part of that is the community associations, you know, do they feel heard and respected? So if I, if I had um, statistics that, that showed that people thought I was authentic and that they uh, created a better community for them on my departure, I would care less about, you know, the specific item lines and care more about how my community felt about their counselor and how accessible they were in advocating for them. In order to even get to October 19th, four years from now, you have to be elected on October 18th. Mm -hmm. Take two minutes, take as much time as you need. Talk to the people of Ward 11 who are listening to this. Tell them why you should be the next counselor for Ward 11. I think I should be the next counselor because I really seek um, to marry sort of that economic and social responsibility together. So for me, I don't, um, I don't have a partisan identifier. What I have is, Hey, we can also, we can save money and we can also help Calgarians and, and we can help Ward 11 residents. And I think the more we can provide innovation in our community structures, like hockey rinks, like libraries, uh, like community gathering places to provide space for people to, to connect and to get programming at a responsible cost. And the more we can support our businesses in Ward 11 locally and through startup grants and to provide them with upskilling and labor for increased employment opportunities, let's really look at it from an economic and a social standpoint. So I think I believe in the potential of Calgary and by extension Ward 11 to really bond together to help our neighbors and to help each other and build a Calgary that cares about the people and is in a safe place to do so. So I really hope that those who are sort of looking for a more balanced approach to the economy and the social responsibility would look at my platform for this ward because I know based on my experience in community building and nonprofits, I have the ability and expertise to do it. Uh, in order to do that, you need help. You need volunteers to come out and door knock. You yes. need people to donate, uh, put up signs. How can people <laughs> get involved in your campaign, but also learn more about you? Yeah, for sure. So I've done a few podcasts and I have a couple more speaking stuff coming up. The website for sure is going to give you some overview information. I will be planning some community events that will also be posted on my Facebook page, um, Carolyn Cron for ward11.com. Uh, I will be putting stuff out on Twitter, Carolyn Cron for Ward 11 YYC. Uh, There is a donate tab. If you feel strongly that you want to see that balanced approach, make a donation. It could be $5. It could be 50. It could be 500. But candidates are in crunch time right now because we're all trying to get literature together and campaign signs and those things cost money. So if you're tired of the status quo in city council, you need to take the steps to sort of um, support those candidates that are putting forward new messages. And if you can't donate money, donate your time. I'm trying to plan on, on a huge volunteer blitz sort of at the end of August, beginning of September to reach as many communities as possible because Ward 11 is a massive ward. So if you can't donate money, it's totally fine. Donate your time. It'll be fun, I promise. And, uh, and let's see some new faces in council come October 19th. Um. Carolyn, I want to thank you so much for doing this. To the listeners, to my viewers, um, the links to Carolyn's website, Facebook, and Twitter will be in the show notes. I highly recommend you go out, get involved, vote, vote, vote. This is an important election, no matter what you think. Get out and vote. Get out and uh, learn about the candidates and decide, because this is the future of our city. Carolyn, thank you so much for doing this. 
Absolutely. Thank you for having me. Border Interview Podcast was produced and edited by Miranda Brown Associates.